this is going to be the big one. This is going to be the one that makes us. So, uh, you know, bring your A game here. What? I always bring my A game. Mm. No, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. This is the sober podcast. I was going to say, Saturday, you usually bring your better game than your Thursday night game. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Before we start, I want to clarify, 9 p.m. is my bedtime normally. <laughs> so when we start at 9 p.m., I'm, I go to I usually go to bed at 9 so I can wake up at like 4.30 or 5. Poor thing. Poor sweet Paul. Just saying. You are sort of a precious buttercup, aren't you? I am. I'm, I'm, I am a buttercup. I am a precious Reese's buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. So guess what? Guess what? Hello. What? what? Nine hours ago from the time of this recording, I was in Maryland. I'm now back home in Virginia Beach, four hours away. So, how did Maryland feel about that? <laughs> well, we'll find out in a couple in a couple years. But um, <laughs> are we going to have some kind of hearing about it? Paul? Is there going to be an FBI investigation? <laughs> I, I am willing and able to let the Hashtag, FBI investigate ha- my Maryland proceedings. Hashtag YouTube. <laughs> Hashtag YouTube. Because I was there last <laughs> night, um, I was at Six Flags America out in Maryland uh, for they had a, a media preview. So by the time you guys are listening to this, you can check out our YouTube channel. Halloween season is in full swing. Thursday, I, I had a, a behind the scenes tour at Bush Gardens Williamsburg of their Hollow Scream stuff, and last night I was in Six Flags, like I said, out in Maryland. Um, their media event was from 9 p.m. to midnight. And I was like, well, I can stay overnight. But then I I was like, but there are a lot of books and I don't want to miss the podcast this week. So I'm going on two hours of sleep. We'll see how this goes. I'm, I'm right there with you, Paul. I, 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 have, I got two hours of sleep last night uh, only because I couldn't stay asleep. So uh, you know. were, you, were you excited to talk about Heroes in Crisis? Is that why? You know, I was. Well, and I was worried about all those Heroes in Crisis, Paul. Well, I, we can get to there, but I'm pretty sure you don't have to worry about them. I don't it's, think they're in crisis it's, anymore. It's two hours aggregate, not consecutive. It's for all the time he has to get up to go to pee. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, you know that happens at a certain age. Yeah. Uh huh. See, well, I, I had planned to stay up and read all my books because I was uh, I was out doing a board game night with some friends last night, and I got home probably around midnight or so, and I go and I start reading the book. Then I fall asleep in my chair. So I got a full night's sleep and didn't read the books, but... Well, that's because Wayne, in addition to being an asshole and rubbing it in our faces, has a clear conscience, apparently. Whereas Aaron and I, <laughs> the guilt keeps us up at night. That's right. Well, and, and again, concern for our heroes in crisis. Yeah. I imagine Tim is somewhere in the middle. I mean, I got a full night's sleep and I read all my books, so I'm basically the best of us. Tim, yeah, Tim is the best of us. Which, I mean, really, was there ever we any doubt? Do. Yeah, we already knew that. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we're, I want to start off this. I, I, I hate to start this podcast off on a somber note, uh, but I, I read this week that Norm Brayfogle uh, passed away. He was relatively young. Actually, 58, 57, 50, something. Like that. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Late 50s. I, um, and, you know, it, it's it's a tragedy regardless of age. But um, 
You know, Norm Brayfogle, for me, is my favorite Batman artist of all time. You know, say yeah. what you will about Neil Adams or Greg Capullo or Frank Miller or any of those. I mean, there are tons of great Batman artists. Norm Brayfogle was... Norm Brayfogle and Denny O'Neill were my Batman team growing up. Um, you know, during my formidable comic reading years and, and, and what have... The, the reason I'm a lifelong Batman fan is because of their run on uh, Detective Comics and uh, the Batman title and, and the introduction of Tim Drake and all that stuff. I know Bray Fogel didn't draw the actual introduction, but he, his Tim Drake is iconic to me. Well, and his his Batman was definitive for the 90s, right? I mean, oh, yeah. he, he just sort of owned the uh, the Batman look. He, 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 had the, he had the Todd McFarlane cape before Todd McFarlane had it. Yeah, his, you know, the, the way he drew Batman's cape made it look like it was alive. You know, like it was formed of bats. I mean, it was it was is wild what he did with the cape. I've got the uh, Batman Norm Brayfogle bat uh, black and white statue, and it's just oh, yeah. gorgeous. You know, the 3D representation of that cape uh, is just amazing. I love I, I love that, and and you know, uh, I I really enjoy uh, Norm Brayfogle's uh, depiction of Batman. I, I didn't I had not realized that he had been in poor health. He had had a stroke, I believe, uh, a couple of years back. Um, and this was just sort of, you know, follow up to that. So he has he has uh, been in poor health. I, I, I had no idea. Yeah, it was uh, 2014 was when he had a stroke. Yeah. And it uh, paralyzed his entire left side. So he's left handed. That's yeah. pretty much the end of his career. Yeah, I mean, it's just, he, him and Jim Aparo were my Batman artists in the yeah. '80s, and uh, yeah. you know when I was when I was reading Batman heavy, and uh, now they they've both passed away, and you know that's uh, that's sad. I and mean, we we've lost some great talent. Um, both of them. I mean, Jim Aparo died older than Bray Fogle did, but um, a lot of what Bray Fogle and O'Neill did in their time on uh, Detective and Batman. I mean, a lot of that's still around today. Um, a lot of those stories are actually still referenced and, and in canon. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 I am sorry that he, uh, you know, obviously I was, so, I, I had wondered where he had been. So I, I didn't realize the thing about the stroke in 2014. You know, you just kind of, not, not to be an ass about it, but you just kind of assume that some of those artists in the 80s and 90s stayed in the 80s and 90s. Right, like some of them kind of are still around, like Dan Jurgens, and then there are others like John Bogdanov and Norm Brayfogle that just kind of retire. Um, yeah. I, I didn't realize it was a forced retirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a huge loss. I mean, it was a loss when he stopped drawing, but uh, it's it's a huge loss in in his uh, you know being in the community and uh, certainly what will, will be missed and you know uh, certainly was formative to a lot of people's. Uh, experience and initiation into Batman. Yeah, he made one of my favorite Batman villains, Mr. Zaz. Yeah, uh, Mr. Zaz is one of my favorite Batman villains. Well, and, you know, since we're talking about great Batman artists, um, you know, uh, Sean Gordon Murphy last year started that uh, Batman White Knight series that I think we, I, I think... I had some issues with the way it ended, but I think um, everyone else who read the book really enjoyed it. And uh, he announced, um, which we, we kind of already knew, but at least the, the official title and uh, storyline has been announced for Batman Curse of the White Knight, which is a sequel uh, that is coming in 2019. 
Um, you know, it, it, it directly continues the story of Wayne's, uh, Bruce Wayne's family legacy, some of the things that were hinted at in that original story. Um, and this time uh, features Azrael uh, as one of the key characters in the storyline uh, and, and in the pre- very prevalent in the, uh, the promo art. See, I was told about this because I had asked if the because I thought the White Knight trade paperback came out this week, and it's apparently next week. Oh, I thought it was this week too. So yeah, but he was like, "No, but let me tell you about this," and I'm like, "Oh, cool," <laughs> but but it's not real surprising because the the miniseries did so well that we knew that they were going to do more. Well, I love that he was a that he's been able to carve out a place for himself in you know the Batman shop. And just doing his own thing that, you know, for the moment, he gets to sort of own those those storylines, right? Um, I, I think that's cool. I mean, I think that's the way to go about doing it. So you're not tied into all the other, you know, crossovers and continuity issues. Just create your own damn thing. Yeah. I, think that's, I think it's fantastic. I mean, to a certain extent, it's the Frank Miller thing, right? Like, you, he, I don't think Frank Miller intentionally created this Dark Knight Returns universe, but it eventually became one that other that he's allowed other creators to create stories in. Um, so I, I mean, I'd imagine at some point this will happen with uh, Sean Gordon Murphy, but I'm glad it's not the main DC continuity, but yeah. uh, it, it is a very, but it's cool fun continuity. Yeah. yeah. The, the Murph verse is, uh, <laughs> is fun to be in. Right. Yeah. yeah and I, I have to say the, uh, what he did with Harley is one of the, it's some of the best Harley I've seen in years. Yeah, I mean it, yeah. it's a it's a fun book, you know. I'm, I'm I before the 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 sequel comes out, I will likely go ahead and reread the entire first story arc again, um, and see if my issues are still there or if reading it as a trade um, is feels more consistent to me. Well, Paul, I've got that page of artwork you you gave me that's you know autographed sitting yeah. right here. It's gorgeous. It's that it's that great scene where uh, Harley and uh, Jack go out on a date. And you know she she's wearing her dancing dress and and whatnot. It's just it's just a gorgeous page. Yeah, I, I mean they, they were very there were some great scenes uh, with Joker and Harley in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, so you know since we're, we're, we're let's go ahead and stick with Batman a bit and uh, you know talk about Batman in this week's Doomsday Clock uh, number seven. Uh, so. It's it's been a little while, and the, the, we knew it would be there. They they switched to a bi monthly release schedule for Doomsday Clock um, to allow Gary Frank time to honestly draw the this book as intricately as Jeff Johns has written it. Um, there's there's a lot going on in the story and in the art and behind the scenes, like things you need to keep an eye out for. And uh, this issue is particularly important to the the, the Doomsday Clock story because, in addition to being the start of the second half, um, Doctor Manhattan finally makes his appearance. Yes, something finally happened in the book, and and <laughs> and, and with with the blue pecker only in one panel. I think just to say yes, we can do it, and then the rest <laughs> of the book they're like, but we don't need to do it again. I I particularly like Joker's reaction to him. For yeah. the love of God, put some clothes on, or at least for the love of me. Yeah. So, what do you guys think of this bu- I, book? Um, you know, we we've we've talked about how it feels like some the story has been methodically paced. Uh, Wayne, you you said finally something happened in this book. Uh, so, why don't you uh, tell us your thoughts? So, I've continued to pick this up, but honestly, 
I think this is a horrible story for single issues. I think it'll read a lot better in the trade. The pacing has just been so slow throughout the entire series. This issue, though, it felt like things were happening all through it. And we actually had some progress. We had ties back to Superman again, who's, you know, the whole buildup is supposed to have been this is going to be a huge interaction between Dr. Manhattan and Superman that we haven't seen any indication of. I don't think we've even seen Superman since issue one, if even then. Just a just, yeah, a couple of brief appearances, but nothing yeah. in the main storyline. But you finally start in this issue to see where his, you know, what his purpose is going to be in this story. Uh, I liked having that move along. I liked ha- getting the characters back together because they've been separated for you know a little while. I loved the kind of the truth coming out behind Adrian Veet. I love that Manhattan finally shows up and you get the conversation with them, and it's the it's the type of conversation I would expect out of the Doctor Manhattan we've read. You know, he's still in multiple time eras. He's still not helpful at all when you talk to him but giving a lot of information that you just have to parse through because it's all kind of outside of time. I loved, I have to say, I loved the book almost beginning to end, yeah. which is odd because I haven't liked a lot of the issues of this series. Yeah, I got to say, this is the first issue of Doomsday Clock that I truly loved. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm curious to hear what uh, what Tim and Aaron have to say, but I, I loved this book. I, I genuinely loved this book. And damn Dr. Manhattan for kill, for killing Alan Scott in the past. Right? Well, you know, he can always undo it. He can't. And we've seen in this new 52 universe, Alan Scott didn't exist in this world. He only existed in Earth 2. And now we kind of see why. Mm-hmm. Dr. Manhattan moved the lantern just a few feet over. This this book, in general, is, is like a signed reading when you're uh, in school, it it takes it takes a lot out of you. You know you have to do it for this podcast, and you you don't piece it all together. Like like I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it's like I read that and it's like, yeah, I'm getting a B on this test because I totally don't give a crap about anything that's black and white about some person in the acting community or whatever the hell that was. Like I maybe it's just me. I don't. I don't have enough patience to piece all of these things together. And I can tell because you're right. This is the first book that it felt like, okay, we're starting to tie this stuff together. Now we know why Thunderbolt is important. And we got the, we've gotten three issues of Johnny Thunderbolt, the old man. Now we know why Saturn girl is important because apparently she knew what was going to happen. Although now she doesn't, but whatever. Um, I think Wayne's right. I think in a trade, this is going to read really well. But every time I read one of these books with all these panels, I stop and I'm like, I can't read any more comic books today. I am, <laughs> I am done. It it's, is it's kind so of grating. I I completely agree there. And it's yeah. not bad. It's not bad necessarily, but it's just it. There's too many strings for me. So it's like, yeah, I can pay attention to the mime and, and Joker and 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 that's. And that and Marina, and that's and that's interesting, and I I can tie to that, and um I can tie to Rorschach and Voight, but it's like oh and here's Saturn Girl, and it's like oh you know guys too much. I, so I, I, it was a good book. This specific issue was a good book, and I think I have hope that 
now the series is going to ramp to the end. And but, that's my hope as well, because I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it's been a little slow going and, you know, slow to, to really pick up speed. But boy, you know, they, they in issue seven, they really, you know, put it into cruise control and, you know, you know, got up to to a nice speed on the interstate on this one because, you know, there's something going on on every page. Um, I like. You know, one of the things you said, Tim, is that, you know, I got I to gotta clear the deck to read this thing. I'm not going to be able to, to read any more comics today. I do like the dense nature of the book uh, where you're really getting the value for your comic book dollar here because there's a lot that rewards uh, rereading, you know, uh, in the you know nine panel format that Gary Frank is is uh, penciling these pages in. In a guided view, it's like you're getting a hundred-page comic. Uh, you know, there is so much going on, and each panel is so highly detailed. Um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy this. I think Jeff Johns, more than almost any other writer in comics today, does a more effective job of writing comic narrative uh, than almost anybody else. I mean, I, he, he, he. Uh, I never I don't think I ever read a Jeff Johns book and think, my God, there's just too much on the page here. There's just too much writing. Um, I think he tells a, a, an effective story, particularly in this issue where it's not so much uh, descriptive text on the page as it is dialogue with the characters. And, you know, Bendis is really effective at writing dialogue. Um, and this is certainly a skill that, that Jeff Johns has as well. I mean, I, I, I love, I love the, the, the different character voices in this. Um, I particularly love, you know, there's that scene when Marionette, uh, looks up and she sees mime and she's like, why, what, what's wrong? What's up? And he mimes the, you know, pointy years of Batman to let her know that, that Batman's awake. Right. Uh, I think that that's a, that's a great shot. And I mean, only somebody with, uh, Jeff John's key sensibility for these characters, I think would, would catch that, you know, that, you know, that this is how you indicate Batman when you're a mime. Uh, I, I just thought that was a great moment. Um, there was a brief moment in, in Gary Frank's visual storytelling that I thought Batman's hands were going to get cut off. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, mean, I had I did that a, same moment of, I did kind of, you know, clench up on that. Like, Oh my God. You know, um, I, I do have one minor complaint about Gary Frank's uh, take on these characters, and it's been throughout. It's not just this issue. It's been throughout and in some of his uh, previous works, uh, like particularly in his uh, Superman run with Jeff Johns on Action Comics. Um, he tends to draw people with crazy eyes. You know, uh, there, there is something about the amount of white – uh, over the iris that just indicates crazy to me. And there's a whole lot of crazy eyed people in this book uh, and not just the crazy people. I was uh, about to say, in fairness, there are a lot of crazy people. In this there book are, too. You're, you're absolutely correct. But you know, that's there, something there, I didn't realize until you just mentioned crazy eyes is when you think about it, the number of crazy versus not crazy characters in this book Right. It's skewed pretty heavy on the crazy side. Yeah, there's yeah. a whole lot of crazy in the book. I think Gary Frank, to, to your point, Aaron, I think Gary Frank's, um, I think, yeah, I think the way he does eyes, a character's anger or even fear sometimes comes across as crazy. Yeah. And he, and he, and because he does so much, so many close ups, because he does faces really well, 
I think you get that, um, you know, it, it, it kind of comes across just a little, a little bit crazy. Yeah. Can I, I just do. say one thing though? Cause like yeah. when you, when you talked about the guided view, that, that makes so much more sense to me because when, when I look at this thing, I'm opening a page and I'm looking at nine postage stamps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that, Tim, as you were talking about it, guided view, each one of those is basically a whole screen, but if you're trying to read it in a physical copy, I guided view really does add a lot to this book. I agree. Yeah, no, it feels like it's written for the digital format. And that's true of, I would say it's the true, true of uh, Mr. Miracle as well. Yeah. You know, because Tom format. King has written those in that, in that same sort of format. Um, I really enjoy that, you know, particularly because the, the, the comics are, uh, are uh, scanned in a HD format. So you're getting a high degree of resolution on those panels. Uh, it works really well. Plus, most of it's in portrait mode, so you're not having to flip your uh, your iPad around as, you, as you're reading. So, you know, big thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think this is a really strong issue, uh, and I, I hope that we're able to keep up this pace uh, going into the last five issues. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm it feels like a lot of questions were answered, but I still have so many. And I'm now I'm definitely curious as to where the hell is this going? Well, right. it it, do, it does kind of amuse me. There are only two panels on in this book that feature Superman. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's been so long since we've referenced Superman and we know that he plays a piece in this story. And you're like, OK, thank you for putting him back on the table. Yeah. It, Was there really only two panels? It seemed like more. No, just I, uh, just the hints of, of yeah. this potential future that uh, between Superman and Dr. Manhattan. Because I loved him as the – one of the scenes in particular that I loved in this book because it it's Superman. And it's Superman as I always like to see him is when he's rescuing people and the, you, they have like the little word text thing about how he's the one superhero, the one superhuman that they don't consider as part of their – you know their acts or laws. He's the one that they allow to cross borders because he's Superman. I mean that – that spoke to me. Yeah. And I'm cor- that's what I think of as Superman. And you reminded me, it's actually four panels. There's two panels where they're talking about him on the news. And then there's two panels of his uh, future encounter with Manhattan. So four panels altogether. Yeah. Well, but so- I think it's a really strong book. I think it's a really strong book. Totally agree. And, uh, you know, in, in two months, when issue eight comes out, we'll talk bullet. We will definitely uh, hope that it's just as good. But since we're talking about Superman, I, I do want to touch on this week's Action Comics. Um, so it's, uh, it, you know, you mentioned Bendis's, uh, you know, dialogue. Uh, this is a continuation of the Bendis storyline, the, the street-level storyline that Bendis has been writing here in Action Comics. Um, in addition, uh, you have uh, Yannick Paquette on art instead of Pete Tomasi. I, I guess they're going to maybe go back and forth. Uh, in addition... You know, you get another one of those first page Bendis uh, tricks of like, here's the the bulletin board, except in this page, I think in this book, it's a Clark Kent's desk with the hint of in highlighted in 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 highlighter. There's a a, a page that says Leviathan, a DC Comics mystery event. Uh, creative team Brian Michael Bendis and redacted as the artist. Uh, you know, it looks like it involves Superman. So perhaps this is Bendis hinting that he's building up to a, a giant crossover event, which it's Bendis. So wouldn't be surprised. 
But I wanted to touch base on this book because, uh, you know, I've had this love-hate relationship with Bendis' uh, arc on Superman. And for me, uh, you know, I, I think the last issue of Superman was the best since the since the start of that book and I think this issue might be my favorite issue of Action Comics since the start of this book um even though it doesn't necessarily resolve the lowest thing they they push that off for another issue which is kind of annoying a little bit and I'll I'll make one correction Paul uh, I believe this is Perry's desk not Clark's desk oh okay cuz you know he's got the number one there's Pepto there uh, <laughs> yeah and cigars yeah and yeah. and a post it that says fire Jimmy um, you know, and Jimmy doesn't work for Clark. Good point. Good point. Um, but, uh, I agree. I think this is a, a really strong book, even though I, I think it's beautifully drawn stories, well told, but there's one thing that annoys me and this is fundamental to my Superman experience. I, this is something that, that I bring with me from, from many Superman stories that annoy me. Uh, so this just, this isn't intrinsic or unique to, uh, the Bendis storytelling, but it is the fact that kryptonite never works the same. No. Um, the, I mean, how many times does it take for kryptonite to be right on him that it causes him to be sick versus somewhere on the floor that it makes him sick? I mean, he had such a powerful response to uh, the kryptonite in this woman's purse the moment she got off the elevator. Um, I it just it, I really dislike that the effect of kryptonite is driven by plot versus, you know, any sort of established uh, how is it going to impact him? Yeah, I agree. The, I, I thought that was a rather extreme reaction um, to, to the kryptonite. No, I like how it wrapped it, up, though. So no, I noticed how in stories sometimes it's small amounts of kryptonite like you're describing that get to him, yet there'll be uh, like a mountain of kryptonite and he can fight through it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that that's the thing is that it's it's just whatever whatever rules the the uh, writer wants to establish in that issue are the ones that you'll adhere to. And, you know, a part of the, the reason why you had the different colors of kryptonite was, you know, we'll make these different effects and have different rules. But, you know, here it is green K and, you know, it has an immediate impact on him the minute she she arrives on the floor. Yeah. And I'm just like, come on, guys. I just I find that annoying. Again, I enjoyed the book, yeah. uh, but that that you know that that is one of those things that you have to deal with anytime Kryptonite shows up is that the inconsistency writer to writer, story to story on how Kryptonite's going to impact Clark. Yeah. Hey, before we move on to the next book, I I do want to ask: Did any of you guys read? Uh, and Tim, I know you, I don't know if they were in the print editions. At the back of the digital editions, there is um, I think a five page preview. Of the Grant Morrison, Liam Sharp, The Green Lantern. Yeah, I read it. I, no, that wasn't in the regular one. Yeah, I, you know, I was cautiously optimistic about this book. Um, and, and then the preview came out, and woof, woof. This preview's terrible. This preview oh, does nothing. I tell you what. I love the preview. Really? I don't usually read. I don't usually read the previews because I, I generally I'm going to buy that book. Um, but because I knew I wasn't going to buy a Grant Morrison book, uh, I went ahead and read the preview. I love the preview. Yeah, I think I, the preview looked really sharp. I agree with Aaron. I it was a book I had no intention of buying, and I went ahead and read the preview, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. No, I, I'll I'll get issue one. 
All right. Well, I guess I'll pick up issue one. <laughs> hey, man, I don't want to. I don't want to pressure you into anything. You're pressuring me. I, I know. I, I don't want to do that. I, I want you to come to this on your own, Paul. I'm in crisis about this Green Lantern book. <laughs> well, maybe you need to go to Sanctuary. Oh, well, if I want to die, I will. So, um, so Heroes in Crisis number one came out this week. Uh, the Tom King Clayman. Uh, epic event that they have been talking about. It's nine issues long. Uh, Before we get into the book, I do want to mention that um, this storyline was set up, uh, most of the threads in this storyline have been set up in Tom King's arc on Batman, whether it's, uh, you see the mask of Psycho Pirate on the first page, on the cover, not necessarily in the book, um, from Batman. Uh, the fact that Booster Gold is at Sanctuary is was from Batman. The Sanctuary even existing came about in the Poison Ivy arc. So this is all like Tom King has been leading to the story. And I'm assuming the some Wally West stuff from the Flashbook led into this also. So we all read this book. Uh, and I, I know I let Wayne go first last time on Doomsday Clock. But I really want him to go first again because I really <laughs> want to get Wayne's thoughts on this book. I hated it. What I wanted out of this series, what it was built up to be, was going to be a look at the the characters in a, the mental crisis and building them back up and all of that. And that's what Sanctuary was supposed to be, and we get none of it. We get like the little confessionals, like it's a reality TV show that you know they were. I don't even want, they were just poorly done. I don't think any of the confessionals felt real to me. And then they go through and kill a lot of characters. Some of them are ones we've never heard of. Some of them are the big ones. Yeah, I'm pissed off they killed Wally West. He's the only Flash I actually like. I've been reading the Barry Allen stuff, and the books have been good because it's been a Wally West book. I don't know if I'm going to keep picking out Flash now that you know Wally's gone, but I also don't really fully believe the characters are going to stay gone. I don't know what's going to happen in the storyline, but until it's all said and done and over, I'm not going to fully believe that Wally's actually dead because there's too many, there's too many unanswered questions with Wally, yeah. his family being out there in the speed force or it's somewhere to come back that I just don't buy that. He's actually dead and going to stay dead. My disappointment with the book, it isn't, anger over Wally being dead because I don't believe he's going to stay dead. My disappointment is that they built it up as examining the impact of these events on superheroes, and we're not getting that in this book. I'm surprised that that's what upsets you, and not the fact that Booster Gold was the one who killed him. We don't know if that's the case. Booster says <laughs> Booster says it was Harley doing it. Harley says it was Booster. And, you know, talking about Booster, that was another issue I had. Booster's got a force field. Harley's not going to be able to stab through a force field, but the force field throughout the entire book, it's there at times and it's not there at times. It's not there when it's convenient for it to not be there for him to be stabbed. It's poor writing. You know, for for what it's worth, and I'm, I'm, I'm before I share my thoughts, I'm going to let uh, Aaron and, and Tim go. Um, the fact that there's a time traveler and a mind controller, both in play in this book, I think are pretty obvious uh, to to yes. where where elements of the story are going. Um, I mean, Psycho Pirate, not in this issue, but on the main cover and one of the variant covers. And like I mentioned, Booster Gold is supposedly the one who has uh, assassinated all the heroes in Sanctuary. 
and he's a time traveler. So, and, and he would have been successfully able to do that, but not able to fight off Harley, well, who has no powers. But he could take out Wally. Well, so Tim, let me let me just start with Clay Man draws the hell out of this book. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, this is. <laughs> You know, uh, I was having a conversation with a friend about some of the Marvel comics, and I'm like, you know, not even is the because the price points are starting to get to the point where they're about the same. But I'm like, just the quality of the of a DC book when I pick it up, I have a lot more confidence in. Um, but yeah, this book was beautiful. Um, I didn't know anything about this sanctuary at all. Uh, maybe I just glossed over some of that when I was reading Batman. But uh, so I, I didn't really know what this book was about. So I didn't have any of the problems Wayne did. Um, I actually liked the confessionals. It was the it was the I, I feel like maybe they started in the middle, you know, where it's like, no, we're not going to get any of the whole uh group therapy sessions with all these people that, you, you know, if, if you heard the premise, you might think that would be the case. But I, uh, I, I gotta be honest. I, I, I kind of liked it. Um, yeah, I, I, I also, uh, to that point, didn't really care about anything as far as, oh, these people are dead. Okay. They're, they're not anybody I know about. Oh crap. That's, that's Arsenal and Wally West. Okay. This, this, <laughs> this is, this is, this is definitely ramped up some. Um, I, I also gotta say, um, and I, 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 <laughs> I, it's probably what Tom King's like, you know, it would be the worst death for the atom. This and they're like, you can't do that to the atom. He's like, OK, I'm going to do it to somebody very similar to the atom because <laughs> that's that specific panel that that was shocking. <laughs> the uh, uh, the death of the Blue Jay <laughs> was a little rough. I like this book. I uh, I, I, I uh, See, now I have to go back and look again because I didn't catch how he died. You you don't really catch how he de- uh, yeah it, I'm not gonna ruin it it's it's rough so I'm I'm right there with you Tim I I thought this was a fantastic book uh, and to your point it is beautifully drawn it is uh, almost lovingly crafted you know each each page is wonderfully composed. Uh, I, I, I really dig it. The concept of sanctuary, you know, it being this, you know, safe house, a respite, uh, for heroes who have seen or done too much, who need, who need a place to just decompress and maybe get some, some counseling, uh, staffed by Kryptonian tech, uh, uh, robots. Uh, I think, I think it's a, a great idea. And, and, you know, it's, it's out there in, uh, in, in the, uh, uh, Midwest, you know, in the, in the cornfields of, um, uh, middle America, um, I, think it's, I think it's a terrific idea. I love this idea. Um, I like that the big three are coming in and just finding carnage, you know, everywhere they go. Um, when I woke up Wednesday morning, uh, you know, for on New Comic Book Day, I, I had a message from Paul. Holy crap. Read Heroes in Crisis first. And, uh, you know, sure enough, I, you know, I, I, I read this and I was like, holy crap. I mean, you know, I, I, I bumped on the same thing you did, Tim, you know, shit, Roy and Wally are dead. You know, I mean, you know, cause all these other guys, you know, you're like, ah, you know, these guys are cannon fodder. These guys don't really matter, but Roy and Wally, and we just brought Wally back. 
you know, yeah, I was, I was a little, a little shaken by that. I think it's a terrific story, um, you know, to Wayne's original point that, you know, he, he you know, was expecting to see, uh, you know, therapy and, you know, what it means to, you know, be in sanctuary and how those heroes are treated. I think this is the first issue. And I think we've started in media res and uh, I think we'll see some of that flashing back. Um, I don't think Tom King would uh, create this sort of setting without, you know, giving us some of that experience later on. But, you know, Tom King has earned my faith as a writer. I am on board for for whatever tour he's going to guide me through. Yeah, to be fair, like when when the whole Catwoman Batman thing happened, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. But like he kept me around even after right. I was about ready to throw that book. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, right there with you, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> so, Paul. Yeah. I mean, uh, so I don't necessarily want to repeat what everyone has said. Um, I loved this book. Um, I thought it was very effective in its portrayal. Now, again, it, I think the the fact that Wally and Roy are are dead is not something that you know it it. it it's impactful as a scene. It's impactful in relation to the story. As a comic reader, you're like, okay, well, Wally clearly has something to do with rebirth. They just brought him back. They're not going to kill him, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, you know that Wally's at some point probably going to come back. Or that this, to a certain extent, could be the flash forward. Um, you know, that, that maybe Wally's story has been resolved and, and it, that takes place before this. And then we're going to jump back. I don't know. There's a lot of things in play. There, like I said, there's time travel. There's mind control. I think there's a, a bit of a mystery um, involved here. And there, there you do. I, I, I want to correct myself. You actually do see Psycho Pirate's mask on the pages here. So there, there are probably hints on these pages that we aren't even aware of. Um, and some that the we are. Just like the reference to the Putlers. Um, there, there's, there's a lot at play here. And this is a story that... You know, much like Doomsday Clock, uh, I'm I'm willing to to be patient and unpack. So. I gotta tell you, I read I read Doomsday Clock and Heroes in Crisis back to back, and I'm like, I need a nap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it was a big week for comics. I mean, there's a ton of books we're not talking about this week. Um, it is amazing to me how, what a desert of books it was for the previous two weeks. And then all of this gold lands in our laps this week. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tim, I just looked back through the book and found what you were referring to with Blue Jay. I didn't catch it on first reading. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, can I, while, while we're on the subject of Tom King, real quick, can I ask a question? Yeah. Have any of you guys read his uh, series, Sheriff of Babylon? I have not, but I've heard no. good things. Yeah, no. It is, uh, by Tom King does the writing and the arts by uh, Mitch Jareds, who's the same guy who does uh, Mr. Miracle. It looks really good, but I, I don't know anybody who's read it. And it's, you know, I, this this will probably drop before the sales. Actually, no, uh, the sale run. Well, yeah, the sale runs through October 1st on uh, Comixology. So, you know, uh, not much time to go in and get it, you know, when this drops. But uh, they've got the first three volumes of that on sale on Comixology right now. I'll pick one up with you. Okie doke. We're in. Blood Brothers. Who's the, who's the publisher on it, Aaron? Uh, I believe it's DC. It's Probably Vertigo. Oh, it's Vertigo. It's oh. Vertigo. Oh, Vertigo. Okay, well, something. <laughs> there you go. 
Um, so one, you know, like Aaron said, tons of books this week. I just wanted to touch on one more, which is Justice League Dark. And the reason I want to touch on Justice League Dark is the same reason I always want to touch on Justice League Dark, which is that it reminds me to remind you guys that we are actively recording a new season of Ghosts of Rainsboro that's going to be uh, coming in October. So if you're a Ghost of Rainsboro fan, um, uh, definitely keep an eye out for that. But also just because I love this book. I, I freaking love this book. Um, uh, I, I th- This team, this, and I'm not just talking the superhero team, I'm talking the creative team of James Tenyon IV and Alvaro Martinez Bueno, um, the upside down man in this book. It is the right mix of horror and superheroes with and it effectively portrays both at least for me paul is there still a chimp in this book there's still a chimp in this book and he's got a sword then there's no bueno you you cannot kill horror little man (laughs) i love this book i love this book and i let me tell you you know, detective chimp was uh horribly abused in this book he was horribly paul but, well, not uh, as bad as Constantine, who bled from all his orifices. <laughs> but I'm okay with that, with Constantine. Yeah. Because, you know, son of a bitch deserves it. But I got to tell you, the this book, I mean, it's, to Tim's point earlier about the quality at DC Comics, how gorgeous is this book, Paul? Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's not just, you know, model posing uh, the figures. It is just beautifully penciled inked colored i mean the 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 frames are are wonderfully composed and there's all this just freaky nonsense going on on the screen uh i'm not the biggest swamp thing fan in the world but i i love how he depicts swamp thing in this book you know um, and i just oh go ahead i was just gonna say i mean i just I, there isn't there isn't anything that I, I really have to complain about in this book. I love the pages with Zatanna and, you know, uh, talking about Zatara, uh, you know, training her and what that training looked like and why she t- she casts her spells backwards. Um, I, 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 I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, talking about the art real briefly, you know, there are two long, dark or dark, long, dark haired women on this team. Yeah. Um, you know, you have Zaytana and you have Wonder Woman and in the hands of a lesser artist, you'd basically get the same care. You, you, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference except for their well, clothing. Well, and they lean on the fact like on, on fa- facial close-ups, they lean on the fact that, you know, Wonder Woman wears a tiara. Right. Yeah. But there is a there there are scenes where uh, Wonder Woman's tiara is missing. Right. Where she the tiara has been knocked off her head. And you can absolutely tell the difference between those two characters. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the the artist is imbuing both of these characters with uh, their own unique characteristics. You know, back in the day, that was always the challenge when you had Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne together. Yeah, was trying to tell those two apart. Um, and and you know, it's just it's great to be able to see how wonderfully nuanced each one of these uh, characters is depicted by the artist. Well, you know, this, this book uh, leads into um, a book coming out next week. So uh, Wonder Woman and Justice League Dark Witching Hour number one uh, comes out next week. Just in time for Halloween, it's the Witching Hour, a five-part weekly event that will rewrite the future of DC's magical heroes. 
Um, Hecate, the witch goddess of magic, always knew a day would come when the monster she stole her magic from would return. Now she must activate the witch marked. Humans within whom she secreted vast... Humans within whom she secreted vast stories of power. Uh, and the most powerful of the witch marked, Wonder Woman. And that's set up in this issue. Um, <clears throat> and it's nice that we're going to already get that played out over the month of October in this, like, horror slash superhero-themed crossover that I'm assuming will hop uh, back and forth between Wonder Woman and Justice League Dark. I, I'm, I, I didn't hear anything after you said Hecate. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I've always heard it as Hecate or Hecate. Oh, I thought you were saying we were having audio issues. You were just ignoring me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How is it pronounced? I, I've always heard it as, as Hecate or Hecate. Oh, all right. Well, we'll go with that. Hecate. Well, I could be wrong. You know, we don't have a lot of, uh, you know, classical Greek listeners. No. So, uh, you know, you never know. Well, and, you know, speaking of Tom King, the, the next issue of Batman comes out. And uh, if you're keeping track, which I am, Tom King has, in two weeks, taken out Nightwing, Arsenal, and Flash, all Marv Wolfman Titans. I feel like, I don't think he has it out for them specifically. I think this is um, all connected somehow, especially since it's all the same writer. Um, I think well, they're, yeah. they're building up to something. The good news is, is that Cyborg and Starfire are safely off in, uh, you know, off in space. You know, they're, they're, they're far away from where Tom King can get to them. Or are they? Tom King can get to you anywhere. <laughs> you can't avoid Tom King. So, Paul, what's coming out next week? Well, in addition to the books I just mentioned, um, you know, following up on Batman uh, 56 next week, uh, you know, which, again, takes place after Nightwing's shot to the head, is Nightwing number 50, um, which uh, k kind of deals with the fallout of the 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 you know the 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 headshot and what happens to Nightwing after um and you know I, I would be remiss remiss I say if I didn't bring up Infinity Wars Sleepwalker issue one of four uh from yes. Chad Bowers Chris Sims and art by Todd Nauk um you know I, I'm, I'm assuming this is part of the Infinity Wars crossover uh that uh that comes out next week as well it's it's part of I don't care. I'm just happy as you sleep on. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Same here. That's why I picked up Darkhawk. I could care less about the Infinity stuff. Just wanted Darkhawk. Well, all that Very and exciting. more. Good stuff. Well, you can check us out and uh, you know at iomgeek.com and you can leave us a message on the Ideology of Madness hotline at 972-763-5903. That number once again 972-763 Five nine zero three, and if you if your voicemail is used on a future episode of of uh, Funny Books, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. So, guys, I just want to say, before oh we meet next week, keep an eye out for Tom King because you know what'll happen. He'll get you. He'll get you. <laughs> Bye, guys. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.